You're listening to Ouija Broads. This is Liz. This is Devin. Devin, let's try that food thing again. (laughs) (laughs) Are we really going to talk about food this time, or are you going to tease me the whole time again? We're going to see where the spirit moves us, okay? Oh, Lord. All right. Jeez. All right. I'm into it. Okay. So the Northwest, not really a distinctive cuisine in the same way that other regions of the country have. It's more about the ingredients. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You tell me. Do you think the Northwest has, like, a signature dish? Like, somebody was like, oh, you're from the Northwest. I'm going to try to prepare your the food of your country, the food of your people. The food of my people. Uh, I mean, it would definitely be, I mean, it'd be salmon. It would be some mm-hmm. kind of wild foraged mixed green salad, probably with, like, a huckleberry vinaigrette reduction bullshit because we like our huckleberries out here. It's delicious bullshit. The There'd be some kind of soup that was made out of, like, wild potatoes, wild onions, something like that. I mean, I know we've got wild onions. I didn't know much about wild potatoes until you talked about them in the last episode, which was supposed to be this episode. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, and then dessert would be blackberry cobbler or apple pie. I know that those are both very Americana, but we grow the shit out mm-hmm. of those up here. So deal with it, folks. You grow the shit out of some apples, mm-hmm. man. Yeah, I think it would be probably cedar plank salmon, oh, right? Yeah, that's what my dad does, and it's so good. It is. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are some of the classics. And another thing that really defines Northwestern cuisine is the ethnic influences that we have. Okay. So there's a lot of influence from Asian food traditions. Right. And there's a lot of influence from Native food traditions. Right. One of the most famous chefs from the Northwest was James Beard, who... We have James Beard Awards. That's how I know that name. Yes. Okay. He was really influential. Okay. And he was really influential in Northwestern cuisine. He was like a pioneer foodie. Nice. Because the way he grew up, he was born in Portland. Mm-hmm. And his dad worked at the Customs House, and they would spend summers at the Oregon Beach getting, like, shellfish and berries and catching stuff. Yeah. So cool. And he, he actually went to the same college as me back in the day. Okay. But he was expelled from Reed in 1923. You can get expelled from Reed? Yeah, well, according to them, it was because he didn't do well at school. Okay. And according to him, it was because he was gay. Oh, oh. that's yeah, unexpected what's... from Reed. Mm-hmm. Well, it was 1923, Reed. Right. Either way, they gave him an honorary degree in the 70s. Okay. So, he was, you know, the first guy who did a food program on TV. I kind didn't of a big know deal. that. Okay. And a big champion of local products, which is so much of a part of what Northwestern cuisine is. It is. So we'll talk more about the Asian influences, but there's a lot of fusion in our food, right? We'll talk right. about Korean tacos and deep fried sushi. Yes. Bulgogi burritos, Japanese style hot dogs. Yes. All kinds of stuff like that. And then there's also indigenous cuisine, which I want to touch on because yeah. for once, there's a really good set of resources out there. Mm-hmm. So I guess first, since there's, I don't really know where else to put it, I want to talk about the potlatch. Do that's cool. Potlatch, which is not the same as a potluck. So potluck is like the good cheap option, right? Where you're right. like, everybody brings some of a thing and uh, we'll all have a little bit and it'll be good. Yeah. And potlatch is the opposite. Yeah. Where you're like, I am going to show off. It comes from a word that means, like, giving away or making a ceremonial gift. Okay. And the idea is it's competitive altruism. (laughs) And you're trying to show off how rich you are instead of being, like, 
on MTV Cribs being like, yeah. here's my gold guest bathtub. Yeah. You're like, here, I got you a gold guest bathtub <laughs> for you. Yes. And so it's competitive because you would have a guest chieftain come and you'd be like, here's all this for you. And their job is to return 110% of what you gave them oh, <laughs> or else you're going to lose face. <laughs> oh, shit. It's basically a way of proving. It's like it, it's like lighting your cigar with a hundred dollar bill, basically. <laughs> be <laughs> like, I'm so rich that I can afford to give this to you. I'm so rich. So, sometimes they would give it. Sometimes they would destroy it. But oh, I like man. the giving way better. Uh, the giving is so much better. I feel like this is more like lighting your neighbor's cigar with a hundred dollar bill, assuming yes. he's going to buy you a cigar worth a hundred and ten dollars. Exactly. You get it. You demonstrate how wealthy you are by giving stuff away. Which became, among other things, a really good way to make sure resources were getting shared around. Yeah. To make sure that it wasn't always the same people owning the same fields and the same, you know, stretch of river. Yeah. And the same stuff. That's so, cool. Yeah. I always thought that was kind of cool. It was complicated. And, you know, it was problematic because sometimes slaves were part of it. Yeah. And there's stories of being like, I can kill 20 slaves. Right. But Anyway, it's coming back. It was banned for a long time because, you know, it was part of an Indian culture. And so white people ruined it and banned it. But it's coming back, which is nice. There's some core cultural values for the people in this region about food. Mm -hmm. So, and again, you know, obviously I'm a little bit out of my lane. I'm talking about research that I've done and stuff that I've learned. But if there's somebody who's like, that's not our deal, let me know. And we're going to talk to you on the show. Yeah. And I would be super psyched to hear about it. But I would rather, I'd rather talk about this and maybe screw it up and have to be corrected and make that correction and take that hit to my ego, right? Than not give it the representation in order to avoid ever screwing it up. Oh man, I talk mad shit about stuff I don't know about all the fucking time. So <laughs> uh, the cool thing about doing that about a, an existing culture is that we do have people that can be like, mm, no, let's let's fix that misrepresentation and then you're better for it the next time Mm -hmm. and i'm going to give you some resources at the end where it's like here's where you go if you want to learn more about this so the core cultural values around food for the salish people food is the center of culture okay you got to honor the food chain and accept that like you know i'm at the top of it but that doesn't make you less than me yes you eat with the seasons and you eat a variety of foods yes You can really see the influence on the Northwestern thing of, like, eat what's seasonal, eat what's local, try a lot of things. Yeah. That is gaining a lot of of national attention, but not because of the PNW, because of the rise in Scandinavian cooking. Uh, there's There's a Nordic food revolution that's been happening since about 2016, and the chefs in the Nordic countries, the Scandinavian countries... Uh, they did. They wrote a thing. They got together, and it's kind of like this loose conglomeration. They wrote a thing called the Nordic Food Manifesto, and it's manifesto. Yeah, manifesto. Yeah, because they're chefs, so they're you know they've got this flair for drama. Klaus Meyer is a name that you'll hear a lot. We talked to him, and and he came to several things at the Nordic Heritage Museum when I was working there. But the idea is that yeah, you eat within seasons. You eat what's local. You honor that goodness that's available there. And so people are seeing, you know, like these, this idea in food now coming to America in a big way. But I really like that, I mean, it makes sense that Scandinavian people 
immigrated in such numbers to the Pacific Northwest because we had so many similar values and industries that they did, one being fishing uh, and then also Mm -hmm. timber. And then a lot of our foods were similar, like heavy fish, you know, heavy foraging, heavy. um, And like you said, like this new idea of, uh, sorry, not new idea, the, the Salish attitudes toward food. I think it's really cool that I would like more people to recognize that those are Salish attitudes toward food that are also Nordic attitudes toward food, yeah. not and just also trendy and also trendy. Yeah. So I think it's cool to signal boost like, hey, look, I'm glad your culture's doing that. Here's an evolutionary track that was happening at the same time. Feels the mm-hmm. same way. Yeah, we have we have these values that we developed independently, but they're really compatible. Yeah. And they're compatible with kind of honoring who you are. All right, I'll tell you about the Spokane tribe. Yes. Who they also spoke Salish, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. And they were, you know, the people of the sun. And they were hunter-gatherers, mm-hmm. most folks were at that time. And they're, and I'm not just going to talk about the tribal folks in the past, I'm going to talk about them in the present too, don't worry. These are not an extinct people. Right. I'm not going to talk about them like that. But at the time, their big deal was salmon and roots and berries. And their whole way they lived their life was revolving around that. So... Uh, in the winter, they had permanent villages, and then in the summer, they'd camp around mm-hmm. to be where the roots and berries were ready, and then when the salmon arrived, they would be where the hell the salmon oh, were. Oh, fuck, yeah. Yeah. Salmon were, like, their thing. When they would meet with people of a different tribe, they'd actually make a hand symbol of a salmon tail and then rub their tummies. <laughs> be like, oh, we're the people that eat salmon. That's amazing! That's how I, I, I want that. people to know me. I make a sandwich hand and then rub my tummy. <laughs> It was a huge deal, the salmon catch, and it was very ceremonial, and actually they had this, they had ceremonies to kind of acknowledge the beginning of the harvesting season for all the different foods that they ate, Mm -hmm. but salmon was one of them, or you'd have Asipes, who's the salmon chief, and he'd do a first salmon ceremony, and you'd dance, and you'd eat the first catch, and, you know, because cultures were like this sometimes, the first four days catch only men would eat, which I guess made sure the salmon would come back, I don't know how. Sure. Sounds like thing men came up with. Does. Uh, yep. Yeah, I gotta eat all the salmon. Otherwise, there's not gonna be any salmon <laughs> never, next year. Nothing. I don't know. Mm. Sounds like That's y- how it is. young men or men without kids came up with that bullshit. <laughs> but yeah, salmon was a big deal. The camas root was a big deal. Some people call it Indian hyacinth. Yeah. And it's a root that you dig. Mm-hmm. And then you can actually, the women would mostly dig it. This mm-hmm. was their deal. They would, you know, have a ceremony for the first roots harvested. And they would be thankful for it. And you would bake it. And if you bake it and then pound it into a pulp, you can actually mm-hmm. make little cakes that keep a really long time. You make really good Which cakes you- and you can also grind it into a flour. I've seen some of the camas digging sticks, you know, that they carved yes. and were hardened in fires. And they still have camas digs in Washington and Montana annually cool. where tribal members go and dig up camas root. Nice. That is so cool. I'm so glad they're still doing that. Mm-hmm. Very into berries. Again, you know, first yeah. root ceremony. Celebrate that the berries are there, which I love. It's like... Instead of Thanksgiving, where at the end you're like, hooray, we have enough food for the winter, you're like, hooray, you showed up. Yeah, yeah. I'm so excited. I'm so glad you're here. 
do your salmon, you do your camas, you do your berries, and then in the late fall and the winter, you would hunt and get okay. your elk and your deer and your birds and your rabbits and your whatever who've been eating all summer and store it and render it and basically make it through the year that way. Yeah. So fortunately, I think the main thing we think of when I think of indigenous food is fry bread. Fry bread. Which is such a mixed bag because that's like the product of the commodity system, yeah. right? That's what you make when all they give you is like lard and flour and salt. Mm-hmm. And they made something really good with it, though. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Fry bread. It's good and it, it's tasty and it's very versatile because, mm-hmm. you know, like every culture comes up with flat bread, basically. Right. right. Whether it's a tortilla or a pita or whatever it may be. Right. But fry bread is extra delicious and it's good with all kinds of toppings or just by itself. You just like throw some sugar on it or just eat it Ugh. or you put honey on it or make it into a taco like they do in the Southwest. Yeah. And up here. Yeah. Some people call them Navajo tacos. I have to say up here they're mostly called Indian tacos. Indian tacos for sure, yeah. Yeah. Some people call it bannock instead, which is actually like the Scottish flat thing, although I guarantee, no offense Scotland, that fry bread is better. It has to be. That's, no, <laughs> inappropriate. The only thing I've had that compares to fry bread is a sopapilla, which is basically the mm. same thing. Just puffy fried yes. flour and lard. My recommendations for people, if they're looking for fry bread, not just like really good sopapillas, but fry bread, the Red Lion Barbecue. Not the hotel, not the restaurant in the hotel, but the barbecue right. that's on Division. Right. Kind of by the U District actually does serve fry bread with honey as an appetizer. And then, of course, just show up to powwow, man. Like, (laughs) Oh, my God. The powwow is great, great food. You get to see great dancing, hear great drumming. I love hearing the drum roll call. Yes. Have you heard that? Where they, like, check in to see who from each tribe is there, and then they drum. Yes. They're like, we're here. The powwow is great. And this is a cultural appreciation, not appropriation. Definitely. They welcome everybody. If you would like today, there's some great cooks, great chefs, I should say, who are bringing back traditional cuisine. A lot of the foodways of the area tribes were broken, Mm -hmm. but there's a lot of people who are intentionally bringing it back. So there are some restaurants in the area that serve native food, and I wanted to call them out. Okay. So in Vancouver, British Columbia, there's something called the Salmon and Bannock Bistro, where they've got good stuff. They've got smoked salmon candy, which I really want to try. What? It's like smoked salmon with a maple syrup glaze. Um, They did a thing with like barbecue salmon mousse on fry bread. They did bison carpaccio with blueberry chutney. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, I'm okay with, I mean, the salmon candy, if you're going to tell me it's a candied salmon, for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. my brain is like, oh, a savory thing that has a hint of sweet. Cool. But if you're (laughs) going to tell me it's salmon candy, where my brain is going, that is a sweet treat that you eat at the end of the meal. That has a fishy aftertaste. My brain is going, no, get it out. (laughs) No, I get it. It's like fish can have sugar, but sugar should not have fish. Thank you. You got it. Makes sense to me. Yeah. In the Tulalip Casino, there's something called the Blackfish Salmon Grill, which they said it's not strictly a native cuisine restaurant, but it's got a lot of inspiration. Yeah. So they like cook wild salmon on Tulalip hand-carved ironwood sticks over an alderwood fire. They have a recipe from a Tulalip tribal elder for clam fritters. Cool. They cook, like, corn cakes, Alaskan prawns, wild chanterelle mushrooms. Looks really good. Yeah. In Seattle, there's the first Native American food truck in the country called Off the Res. Mm. And 
you can go try their good stuff. I think fry bread is kind of their base. It looks like they do a three taco combo, nice. which I'm sure is out of this world. <laughs> I'm going to say, what, son? <laughs> Wait a minute. What? Wait a minute. I just love them. Off the res is great, but shouldn't there, should, as a Native American food truck, it should have been no reservation required. Fuck. <laughs> That's funny. Or just no reservations. No reservations. That's funny. You guys can have That's that one. I'll give it to you. <laughs> So in Duncan, British Columbia, there's the Kiwetsun Cultural Center okay. that's on the banks of the Kawachan River. And they have the Riverwalk Cafe that does traditional food only from June to September, which, again, seasonal. <laughs> they're yeah. going to do it when it's good. Yeah. That's one of the things that I love about oysters is they're like, no, there's a time when there's good and there's a time when they're not. Like, mm. don't try to fake it. It's like tomatoes, man. Don't try to eat a tomato in January. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> the only time I've had an oyster was in a tomato sauce, and they were both disgusting, and I will never eat an oyster ever again. Now, Devin, do you consider yourself an adventurous eater? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did you need to put me on Front Street? Did I need to be on blast right now? Was I, I was was I being too nice to you, and you just had to make me upset? Oh, my God. I think most of the time... You're the cat and I'm the dog in this, in that, like, you're like, no, this is the fancy food, but it has a salmon flavor, yeah. and I wanted a coho salmon flavor. Exactly. And I'm like, I'll just eat it all, and if it doesn't work out, I'll barf it up later. That is exactly correct, my friends. That is yeah. 100%. Liz is a trash compactor, and I yes. have a, a delicate constitution. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I will eat most things when they're raw. I'll eat row oysters. <laughs> no. I was so glad. Okay. There's there's very few things that I've eaten that are weird that I'm like, I would never again. The sea urchin is among that list. That is the garbage of the sea. Ugh. I love them in real life. I don't want to eat them anymore. The, the, little, the little sea porcupine. Why don't you like him? Yep. Because it tastes like trash. Well, he's a, I mean, that's why you don't eat catfish, my love. They're bottom yeah, feeders. The is delicious. What's your problem? Because it eats dirt, Liz. It hoovers up silt and then spits out the rocks that are too big. All you are- You tell me you don't like a catfish po' boy? I do not like a catfish po' boy. The only part I like about that is that it's fried and I pick the breading off. Hush puppies. Those are shoes. <laughs> no, hush puppies are delicious. <laughs> anyway, that's, that's different food. Thunderbird Cafe in Whistler, B.C. Yeah. Open year round. They have an Indian taco with venison chili. Boom. Oh my god. That sounds, that sounds really good. Amazing. Salmon chowder. Oh my god. Uh uh. No, I don't okay. like soup. And <laughs> I like chowder. No, it's too many ingredients touching. Oh, fair. Okay. I like it because I like all the ingredients. Okay, you can have and that. And there's a chef in Manitoba who has actually established the only Aboriginal culinary program at Thompson River University in Kamloops, British Columbia. Cool. Isn't that awesome? He's, like, really into, like, native foodways and presenting them with a modern flair. <gasps> That's so cool. That's now, rad. if you mm -hmm. are not able to go around and go to all these fine restaurants, mm -hmm. I have another thing that I will present to you, which is a cookbook called Where People Feast, an Indigenous People's Cookbook by Dolly and Annie Watts. This is one of the very few Indigenous cookbooks that are out there. So they've got good recipes like smoked salmon mousse, Indian tacos, venison meatballs, alder grilled breast pheasant, blackberry glazed beets, wow. blueberry cobbler. And they run Vancouver's Lilliget Feast House. Okay. 
So, oh my god, we gotta go to Vancouver. Yeah, clearly we do. <laughs> oh my god, Dolly actually won Iron Chef one time. So no way. You know you're in good hands. No way. Fucking, I wish I want to know what the what the ingredients were. Yes, I do as well. Oh man, there's oh nothing god. she couldn't eat. Well, maybe they gave her oysters, and I wouldn't have eaten that. But otherwise, <laughs> I think we're gonna find some other ingredients you probably won't eat. Probably. But so that's that's the Northwest in general. I wanted to sort of acknowledge the Native influence, the Indian influence, and then I wanted to talk about some specific states. Okay. Because I was trying to do like weird food of the Northwest, yeah. and there was so fucking much of it <laughs> that I had to break it up by state. <laughs> well, hey, now don't you know. You can just pick a state. We can make this into many, many episodes. You can make me yes, hungry for a long time. Weird series. Mm-hmm. So let's start with Washington. What's your quintessential like Washington food and drink? Uh, Off the top of your head, drink. I mean, is is coffee because we have Starbucks. It's coffee. Yeah. Oh yeah. Most coffee shops per capita of any state. Mm-mm. Unless you count D.C., which doesn't count because it's a place where, like, very few people live, but a lot of people work. Oh, yeah. Doesn't count. Yeah, throw D.C. out. Oh, so but... you're not a state. Get out of here. Yeah, get out of here, district. Yeah, exactly. Stealing our name. Yeah. Making people think we did shit Make we it... didn't do. No, we didn't. This is not where the politicians come for you to hate on. No, we are the Mm-mm. land of salmon and coffee. Do you ever get mad when people are like, such and such happened, Washington does nothing? I'm like, yes, we did. We did so much. We were like the fifth to legalize gay marriage and the second to legalize pot. So get the fuck on out of here with Washington does nothing. We do who we want. We smoke what we want. Deal with it. Deal with it. <laughs> Sunglasses emoji. Yeah. yeah. No. So, oh my God. We have some of the most caffeinated cities. <laughs> There's 250 coffee shops in Spokane. <laughs> 143 in Boise, 876 in Portland. So I'm kind of talking about like the Northwest, wow. but I think it metastasized from Washington, right? Wow. Seattle has 1,640 <laughs> at the last <laughs> Yeah, count. we do. One time I was in Seattle. I think I was flying up to Vancouver for a work thing. Okay. And we were in a SeaTac, like one of the smaller terminals yeah. or smaller like branches and it was like you know oh you're gonna go from f1 to f10 yeah. and we were leaving from f10 and at f1 there was a starbucks and i'm yeah. like oh let's get our starbucks before we go to the gate don't worry there was also a starbucks <laughs> at f10 yeah there was <laughs> yeah there was of course there were you have a starbucks at the you know seattle's got this weird like radial just like the city the the airport has a weird radial fan and there's starbucks in the hub there's a starbucks at each of your little tiny terminals there's one at the end of the terminals if it's a long terminal starbucks across from the Starbucks. one in the middle there are definitely i've been places where i can see three from one just you just pivot and you can see at least three starbucks it's not an exaggeration folks i really can't emphasize this enough no so yes starbucks the thing that has defined 21st century coffee for better or for worse started in seattle yep. the first starbucks was in seattle it was actually established near pike place market yeah. in pike place market it's right and they near. have they have one now that they're like this is the first starbucks and it like keeps its historic significance and its design yeah but actually it used to be a little bit further off yeah. but now it's anyway you can go there and be like oh i have a legit mug from the original starbucks oh my god so you can be at any starbucks in seattle and tourists will come up to you and be like was this the original one and at some point you just go (laughs) yes because trying to direct them to the one downtown which isn't even the real official first one you just you Mm -hmm. just make them feel good they buy a thing they go home happy they don't fucking know yeah fucking close enough yeah so yeah sadly the food of our people may be the pumpkin spice latte but Eh. 
handle it. We never said we weren't basic. I don't care. Shit tastes good. Like, that's... Am- Washington. We never said we weren't basic. We never said we weren't basic. Washington. A million white girls can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> that's a new license plate. Oh, yeah. Wait a second, Bigfoot. Yeah. We got a new state license yeah. plate for you. <laughs> Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. New idea. Stop the presses. Yeah, stop the presses. I don't care how many you made. We're redoing it. Rebrand. Oh, my God. Yep. And then we're, we're coming for you, too, Oregon. A million man buns can't be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know what can be wrong, though? Fixie polo. Fuck all y'all. That didn't need to happen. Wait, what? Fixie polo. Polo. Like you'd play on a horse, but played via fixie bike. A fixie bike is a really weird choice for an area as mountainous as this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm just saying. Yeah, why, IJS. Why, yeah, IJS. Why would you have a fixie? Why would you have an auto, uh, manual car? Don't know, but people have both. All that tells me is people already knew how to play polo. Well, I've only ever seen white guys doing it in Seattle and Portland, so that kind of stands to reason. They had to do something after Ultimate. Had yeah. All right, so there's another thing that we do with coffee in the Northwest that's very strange to people who aren't from the Northwest, although I think it's been exported a little bit to places where it probably makes more sense, which is the bikini barista. Yes, God, I've had so many friends who've worked at those places. Right, and I think... That's one of the reasons why it's nice to say sex worker yeah. instead of, like, stripper and yeah. prostitute yeah. And, and dom. It's like, there's a whole world out there. So many. Where your body is part of the business model. Right. And so the idea is that you have these baristas who make your coffee, and they wear very little clothing. Yeah. So they wear, like, a bra and some short shorts. Yeah. So they wear a bikini. And it's fucking cold around here. So, so cold. that's an amazing thing to have come up with. Yes. 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 But we have oh my God. no shortage of women in the Northwest with great bodies who are mm-hmm. willing to take their clothes off. Yeah. We are a For, We have mecca. a really good minimum wage, folks. We do. We do. Come pay off your student loans and serve me coffee wearing very little other than a smile. And I'm a happy person. Yeah. It's the, like, what's the opposite of a dilemma? It's the, the bisexuals loophole. <laughs> Where there, a lot of these places are like, oh, bikini baristas and ladies get a dollar off because right? we know you're not coming here to look at the bikinis. And it's like, right. right. Yeah, you're correct. Mm-hmm. I've actually never been to a bikini barista place that I know of. Um, I, That you know of? I think you'd know if you'd been, my friend. I think that's one that's... I'm pretty oblivious. Evident. I'm pretty stressed out when I'm at a non-Starbucks place and yeah. I'm trying to figure out because every place is like, I'm going to make up my own names for the sizes. Right. And I'm going to make my own names for drinks and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing right so i worked at a starbucks for two and a half days before i quit and the steam oh my god i thought you were gonna say years and i thought i was gonna be the worst friend ever because i'm like i don't remember this you don't have to remember two and a half days two and a half days i worked at a starbucks and the shit that comes out of that fominator or whatever it is to make your your lattes foamy is hot and i'm glad for every piece of clothing i had between me and third degree burns that's dangerous. But the first time I remember hearing about bikini baristas was because 
my dad brought home a punch card and he told mom, I got this because I knew it would make you mad. He said he went to an espresso, you know, a bikini barista stand and got a punch card, oh a return customer thing <laughs> to prove to mom that he went one to one. And he was just like, I knew it would piss you off. So there you go. So he got his coffee. Sorry, I didn't know your dad was 12. That's oh amazing. Oh my God. If that, 11 and a half on a good day. Hee <laughs> hee boobies. Hee <laughs> hee. Look at that. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, man. And, you know, it's complicated. It's attracted all the concerns that any place like that does, just right. like Hooters, where it's like, is this ethical? Is this fair? Is this exploited? Right. It, I'm sure it's cold. I'd love sure to talk to somebody who's worked that gig and be like, how creepy are people? Yeah. Is it mostly just, pe- I wonder, is it mostly people who want the bikinis or mostly people who just want coffee and this is the closest place? And this is the easiest. My understanding was it was mostly construction workers who wanted oh. to get coffee in the morning. We're also glad to get a chubby, you know, looking at their mm-hmm. barista. And that was the end of it. But if you're serious, I can hook you up with some friends from my burlesque days who also did this. I think that would be really interesting mm-hmm. to at least, like, get a couple sentences from them about, like, here's how this was. Yeah. 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 Mm, well, Intriguing. there you go. But yeah, man, that's a lot of hot liquid to be working around. So much. Not a lot of protective gear. Like, do you still have to wear closed-toe shoes? Ooh, yeah. How does OSHA feel about that? I bet you do. Yeah. Liz, I'm not wearing anything but Uggs. If I'm already in a skimpy bikini making shitty coffee for construction workers, I'm going to go 100% basic. I'm going to wear my buckskin Uggs. I'm going to wear an American flag bikini. I'm going to ombre my hair or at least not do my roots so it looks like an ombre. Uh, and I'm going to have French tips and a navel piercing. I'm into it. Well... Oh my god. I'm your dream French girl. French tips and cleaning coffee machines. That's a good connection. I think mm-hmm. I would get like a fur or a faux fur coat so that I could be like, look, I'm technically wearing a bikini and then I would just like button it up. Every time Honestly, there. that's hotter to me. Like when a girl, if a girl's in a bikini and then has a beach wrap or something, but it's like hanging off of her shoulders, that mm-hmm. highlights the fact that she's only wearing a bikini. So it's even better. So I think you're on to something. But if you're going to wear the faux fur coat, then you got to get the big Britney Spears glasses and the white shit kicker hat and just like do this bizarre Nashville gone dirty character. I'll let you know when you say something I'm not into. (laughs) So far, (laughs) I'm going to kind of call everybody darling. Darling. Mm -hmm. You want whip with that darling? What's up, darling? You want whip? You want whip? Mm -hmm. Of course they do. And then you can kind of wink. You've got Barbie pink lipstick on. Big sparkly earrings. Yes, I do. Yeah. Frosted. Yeah. Oh, frosted, of course. Of Mm -hmm. course. Farrah Fawcett blowout. Oh, my God. And then I just fuck up everybody's coffee because I'm like, come here, start shit with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you really want them to be like, um, I'm sorry, I ordered decaf. And then you just go ape. Mm -hmm. Whole hog. I take my earrings off. Yeah, oh, yeah. For for starters. Oh, my God. That's how you know a woman is serious. Yes. So, Washington's coffee. Washington is... (laughs) Apples. Apples. Coffee. I don't know I should say about apples. Apples are great. I don't know what to tell you. We had apple posters in the house that Liz and I shared everyone that she framed because they were real I art. Did. They were really cool. I framed them. They were, they each showed off about 20 to 30 varieties of apple. Yeah. Different apples. And they had black backgrounds. They're really pretty. I they saw were. them when we were up in Green Bluff and I yeah. was like, I need these. Yeah. And I think I just sort of got rid of them in a huff at one point because I think the glass broke. Yeah. But they were really cool though. They were pretty. I have a lot of opinions about apple varieties. Yeah, you do. Fuck Red Delicious. <laughs> fuck Red Delicious, right? Anything that has to tell you in the name that it tastes good is lying to you. 
Yeah, and somebody, I don't remember who, but I was at a party once with somebody who was drunk and explaining to me why Red Delicious are bad, which is they just keep grafting them again and again and again, and basically it's just getting, like, watered down and it's not good anymore. Now, I know, oh, I gotta look it up, because every time I'm in a WSU thing, Mm -hmm. they're like, hype you up, drive 25, we're gonna be researchers, we're gonna be a nationally recognized university, and they've also got an apple they're psyched about, and I'm like, this doesn't help us with our college reputation. Oh my god. What is this apple? I gotta find out. What What is it? Are you looking up WSU apple, or... Or science WSU experiment. WSU Apple 2017. Oh, no, it's just Apple Cup. No, the new Apple. The new Apple, they're always hyping up. Look up Frankenstein Apple. Apple Research. Ooh, the Cosmic Crisp. That's stupid. <laughs> well, like, it's got these little spots that look like starbursts. So they were trying to find names that were, like, outer space. And it's got a parent... Its parent Apple is Honeycrisp. Yeah. So they were, like, Cosmic Crisp. But I don't know, man. They just keep fucking hyping this Apple... But you didn't know apples could get hyped. I didn't. And then not giving me any. Which I'm like, what are you doing? Right, right. It's like when anyone at WSU talks about cougar gold, and I'm like, are you bringing out the yeah. tin to share at this moment? No? Then fuck oh off. Oh my god, let's talk about cougar gold. Let's do it. Cougar gold is an amazing white cheddar cheese, aged at least a year, made from milk from the WSU Agricultural School Dairy. It is to fight and die for. Liz knows this off the top of her head, by the way. She did not pre-research this. She just has those facts and figures because she's passionate about her cheese. <laughs> I'm passionate about cheese, and I've been working for this goddamn university <laughs> so long you just absorb these things. No, Cougar Gold is such a big deal in eastern Washington yeah. that it costs about $30 a can. Yeah. Picture, like, a medium-sized plate. That's about how big the can yeah. is. It is such a big deal. That when I was going to North Carolina a couple winters ago for Christmas, they actually had a special sign in the TSA security line saying you had to take your cans of Google cheese (laughs) out of your carry-on. This was such a problem with so many people taking Cougar Gold cheese for Christmas that they had to give you specific instructions that that little metal can, that big metal can, is not going to go through the x-ray right. And you know what? I went, okay, and I took out the fucking Cougar Gold cheese that I was carrying in my carry-on to give to my brother-in-law. Cougar Gold. Good. In Japan, if you leave a company after a certain period of time, oftentimes they give you a very beautifully, artfully displayed mushroom. Um, what? Yeah. I, I read this in Mycophilia. There are certain kinds of... Well, you, you look at it and you eat it, but mushrooms, of course, are some of them, you know, like shiitake mushrooms or whatever, are prized for their culinary or for their aphrodisiac or for their whatever powers. But They look like dicks. They, I mean... I mean, not like healthy dicks, I mean, but... why do you think they've got the aphrodisiac? I mean, I think that's why rhino horns are a big deal for, like, dong tea. Got Okay, so the mushroom. But you give, it, you give a beautiful mushroom, and actually, it's one of the most... Im- I just read this figure, and I'm blanking on it, but one of the most expensive foods ever was a mushroom that went for, like, $13,000 or whatever. Oh, my God, and that is some, like, Netherlands tulip crash oh my God, shit. right Some dutch tulip right? crash i think it's kind of like the potlatch where it's like i have so much money i can spend thousands on a fucking fungus here you are oh Miyazaki. i hope they also get a severance um, check or something or a good social safety net because i'd be like need a mushroom i'm 
I, maybe cool. it's just like one mushroom and like you're awarded it yeah. and then you sell it to a different company that has somebody else retiring. You're being very ethnocentric. My point is that when someone leaves <laughs> Japan. Think about the logistics of mushroom presents. <laughs> you are. They're beautiful. I'll send you pictures because they, they've packaged them in like a beautiful natural wood box. And then you, you bring part of the root and then you've got these beautiful little nest of, of moss that it lives in. And, you know, it looks like a tiny little fairy scene. Anyway. Someone retires in Japan, you get a $13,000 mushroom. Someone retires at WSU after 30 years, you get a can of cheese. Damn straight. And we feel that those are the same. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it makes sense to me. It's cultured. It's local. (laughs) They have a lot of varieties. They have, so Cougar Gold is like the gold standard, no pun intended. Uh That's like their basic cheddar. They have like a Viking one. Mm -hmm. They have it with jalapenos. Mm -hmm. They have like different varieties. I remember at Rosar's last winter, they actually had a thing where you couldn't buy more than two cans at once. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's in their open freezer little bin there hanging out on 29th and you can just scoop them up. But yeah, they do make sure only two per person, please. It's it's rationed like weed. Oh, like man, right? No, you can't have too much. Oh, Liz. what if you resold it? Cougar cannabis gold, like cougar cannabis. We could, gold. We could make weed cheese out of cougar gold and really high quality bud. Fuck, because then just people are gonna. It's gonna be like weed brownies. They're just gonna keep eating the cheese yep. and getting higher, higher and getting the munchies and eating more yep. cheese. And they're not gonna poop until the next calendar year. <laughs> they're gonna eat an entire uh, can of cheese. And then what you and I do is we buy stock in a laxative company because people are going to mm-hmm. need that. And then we're rich. Vertical integration, my friend. Yep. Now you're thinking like a businesswoman. Oh, All right. It's about time. So Cougar Gold is the shit. If you're in Spokane, I don't know about Seattle. I don't know about the west side of the state. I can't be accountable no, for No, west side, east we side. eat Brugger's cheese over in Seattle. Uh, what's this? It's delicious. It is. What is this shit? It is $7 mac and cheese, and you will not regret a single dollar of that spent on, you know, 40 cents of ingredients. All right. Fair enough. On the east side... You're going to want to go to Ferrante's on the hill. They have a Cougar Gold pizza. They have Cougar Gold fondue. And I'm pretty sure they also sometimes make Cougar Gold mac and cheese. Oh, my God. They're just silly with it. They got Cougar Gold coming out of every orifice. Yep. (laughs) They know what the fuck they're doing with some Cougar Gold. Oh, my God. Okay. So that's the shit. And we're going to talk about Tillamook when we talk about Oregon. Oh, yeah, we are. I'm just saying. Okay. So that's the cheese we got there. We've got the most wineries in Washington of any state besides California. Drunk. 747 wineries. We grow some good grapes, Holy man. shit. Are they, like, all in Walla Walla? Holy shit. <laughs> Walla Walla, you ain't that big. I didn't big. know that would upset you so much as a statistic. Well, that's weird. That's too many grapes. I don't know. Just think about that. Think about wineries. Think about how big they are. Think about whatever that Keanu Reeves wine movie was in the 90s, that romance. Uh, a Walk in the Clouds. A Walk in the Clouds. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much yeah. as well. Think about that, but spread Beautiful out 700 film. times all in the middle of our state? That's weird. Yeah. Uh, you don't have to imagine too many grapes. I have too many grapes. Because when I bought this house, I was like, <laughs> oh, cute. A grape hmm. trellis. <laughs> oh, my God. We can have grapes. Oh, my God. That's so exciting. Oh, how cute. Oh, look how it, the tendrils and the blah, blah, blah. And then I got in the fucking summer and I didn't know that grapes are like the kudzu <laughs> Of the Northwest. <laughs> they go from my empty lot next to me to the fucking street. 
All the way across the back of my lot. All the way over my cherry tree. Rainier cherries will come back. All the way over my fucking apple tree. Which I don't know what the fuck kind of apples that are because it was a fucking grape trellis this year. I own a hatchet now. And the reason I own a hatchet is because I have a fucking grape problem. I've been going after these grapes all fucking year, all winter, because we grow them. And I was like, hooray, grapes, here come the grapes. And I tasted one, and my mouth started to itch. And I gave it to my daughter, and she said, Mommy, my mouth itches. And my husband has the diabetes. And I ain't looking to become winery number 748 in Washington. So I put a thing up on next door that started with a sentence, hooray, a grape trellis, I said, like a dumbass. And I told people they could come take all my grapes away. <laughs> so I've been going after them with a hatchet and I've been burning them. I've been burning all the grapevines. They've been in place so long that whatever the original trellis was has now been like pulled up into the air and covered with lichen and it looks like the entrance to a magical like mermaid cave. Don't ever do it. Fuck those grapes. Don't tell me about too many grapes. You had a fucking you had an reaction to grapes and you're like, here, toddler. I mean, you're a researcher. I'll give you that. Man, you're dedicated to your craft. But you... <laughs> Whatever. We're close to downtown. <laughs> to a hospital. The ambulances come to your part of the hood. Oh, my God, Liz. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I do like Washington wine, though. <laughs> well, you don't need grapes to make the amount of wine. That the rest of Washington State has, because I just heard you whine about them for minutes. <laughs> Ranting and whining are different are things. Are they? You're right. You're right. <sighs> oh, my God. I, I like, passive-aggressively order Washington wine when I'm on the East Coast. <sighs> I'm sorry, I'm lightheaded. Oh, a nice Columbia Valley Riesling. I think I'll have that. Oh, God. Mm, we make good wine. Okay. North Carolina makes okay wine. I had I, I got married at a winery there, so I can't be too mad about it. But You could be. You were six months pregnant. You shouldn't have been drinking that shit. You don't know me. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor says one glass every hour is fine. <laughs> oh, my, oh God. my God. Okay. So our official state fruit is the apple, not the grape. Fuck you, grapes. <laughs> official state vegetable is the Walla Walla sweet onion. Okay. Which is the West Coast equivalent of the Vidalia sweet onion, right? Okay. Like, a nice-ass onion. It is a good-ass onion. delicious. You're, are you into onions? I eat onions now. Oh, Are right. you proud? Liz, I will roast garlic, and I will eat garlic by itself. You don't even know oh how much of a big kid I, I am. I don't know you anymore. Mm-hmm. I like grapes, too, if you really want to get into it. Can get some grapes, man. <laughs> I'm going to leave some, because I feel like I have an obligation to, like, pay it forward a little bit, so I'm going to leave one of the grapevines. What makes you think... And I'm going to let it do its thing. You know better than 130 years of people. Talk about some arrogance, my friend. I should just eat the grapes and let my mouth itch. Sour grapes was an Aesop fable for a reason. I think that you just need to let these grapes live and then they'll get sweeter. I have intense sour grapes feelings about anything that got between me and apples. So I'll keep you all posted on the apple situation. That's fair. You can cut them off the apple tree. (laughs) Oh, my God. How do you feel about Rainier cherries? I don't like cherries until... My mm. husband comes on the scene, and he raves about Rainier cherries, and then 
I don't like the feeling of my teeth against the pit. And that's that's a, it's a texture thing. And I don't like scraping a knife against it either, but Jason loves Mm. Rainier cherries so much. So I will buy them for him. And if I eat them kind of like a delicate squirrel, I love them. I love the fresh of, yep, just a little time. I love the flesh of a Rainier cherry, but the, I don't like the way my teeth go against a pit. So they're the ones that are like yellow. They're sort of like creamy yellow and they get a red blush on them. The more red blush, the sweeter they are. Yes. They're like the white one. Oh, God, they're so cherries. fucking good, guys. It's a descendant of two red cherries, so I don't know how the fuck that right. worked. Right, right. But rainier cherries, oh, my God, so good. They're and, like, better. they'll get these little brown spots, and people are like, oh, they went bad. No, that's the sugar spot. I oh, know. The sugar spot. Oh, my God. So Either. if you're in a grocery store, rainier cherries in Seattle, in Washington, near Mount Rainier, which is where they get their name, are seven ninety nine yeah. a pound. You, the closer you get to Mount Rainier, the more roadside stands you find for Rainier cherries. Mm-hmm. And Jason and I found them for $2 a busk, B-S-K. And I think they were trying to say basket, but what they had were like gallon buckets of Rainier cherries. Buskets. Buskets. And you could get them for <laughs> two bucks. I would have, that we also in Washington have something called the Cherry Pickers Trot. And different than the cherry eater. Very trots. different. Yep, you'll get that if you eat too many cherries. I would have all the shits in the world if it meant I got to eat myself a whole fucking gallon bucket of Rainier cherries. I have eaten a pound of cherries before, I and that's have. a special episode that mm. I just I, I'm going to have to do mm. some past life regression therapy. You will, and and some sodium pentothal mm. to access what happened after that. God, my friend, how, how do you feel about maraschino cherries? I actually make my own because I'm a hipster. You are a hipster. I get that Luxardo maraschino liqueur. Okay. And I harvest cherries. Mm -hmm. And I also did this while six months pregnant, which gives you some fucking looks at the liquor store, let me tell you. When you roll up to get your maraschino liqueur and your bourbon because you're going to make cherry bounce, too. I actually have vodka cherries in the fridge right now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Friends, she got looks when she was six months pregnant doing this, but not getting married at a winery at six months pregnant. Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Well, if everybody else is drunk. <laughs> but no, I like, I, I will eat maraschino cherries like the grocery store kind. I will make my own Luxardo maraschino wow. cherries. I'll make my own bourbon cherries to put in drinks. Wow. I'm cherry agnostic. I love all the cherries of the world. Oh, my God. I like fake cherry. I like real cherry. <laughs> I like fancy cherry. I like plain cherry. I'll eat a pound of regular cherries. I don't care, but Rainier cherries are like the champagne of cherries. Cherry forever, Liz. I knew talking about food was a good idea. Oh, my God. I'm so hungry. It's three o'clock where (laughs) I am. I'm so hungry. I had a bowl of cereal and a string cheese. That is not going to satisfy. So cherries, apples, wine, coffee, salmon. Yeah. Right? Yeah. My cousin Mikey, bless you, Mm -hmm. Michael, thank you for taking me to your wedding. He got married in Seattle, outside Seattle at a country club. He had two kinds of salmon at his wedding. Mikey's making money. Well, Mikey went to UW Law School, so... Oh, Mikey. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that we're competitive. No. But that was the quintessential Northwest wedding to me. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, it's not like chicken or fish. It's not like steak or chicken. It's this salmon or, or that salmon. salmon. is exactly right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Salmon is, yeah, we are the salmon people. I got to learn that salmon hand sign, yeah. that sign yeah. language for salmon and then rub my tummy. Yeah. Because I eat so much fucking salmon. Yeah. And wild Pacific salmon 
is completely different creature than farmed Atlantic salmon. Oh my god, so different. Plus then you've got sockeye salmon, you've got coho salmon, you've got, I mean, there's... Silver bright salmon, you got chinook salmon, you. you got pink salmon, you got chum salmon, you got copper river salmon, oh my Holy god. Holy shit. That's more <laughs> salmon than I knew about. Salmon, and you know, they're really upsetting looking fish They're so to gross. Me. I don't like their little hook noses. Nope, nope. they're mean little mouths. They're weird little things, and then they're awful when they after they've done the spawn, and then they're zombie decaying, awful monsters swimming upstream. They're really gross to look at. That's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, folks, wild salmon, real salmon, the good salmon is not light pink. Mm-mm. It does not have big gray no. fat streaks. Uh-uh. In it. it is lean, mm-hmm. and it is dark red, mm-hmm. like dark orange red, mm-hmm. like whatever you think of as the color of salmon. That's fine. That can be the color for your colored pencil. But the color of an actual salmon yeah. is, like, dark. Yeah, you should... It's like you cut into the bloodiest, juiciest tomato. And then even darker than that. Mm-hmm. Not supposed to be light pink. Not supposed to be hard when you cook no. it. No. It's supposed to be lean. So, yeah, cedar plank salmon is a thing we do up mm-hmm. here. Salmon jerky. Mm-hmm. Which even Trader Joe's is in on that now. I love salmon jerky. And I've seen people get, like, really upset about salmon jerky. And I'm like, what, you, what are you mad about? What? Like, I get it. I mean, like, but if you're going to feed me a Kobe beef burger, like, I guess that it's a really good meat that you've, I don't know, somehow bastardized by putting into a hamburger. Fuck you. I'm still eating good meat. Yeah. I guess it depends on how you feel about a fishy flavor. Um, But, like, well, oh, my God. Cedar. I feel like I'm about to go into, like, the Bubba Gump thing. You are. Like, cedar plank salmon, salmon jerky, Mm -hmm. candied salmon. Salmon croquette, sweet, so much salmon up mm. here. Salmon sushi, I love salmon sushi. I know you oh do. I know you salmon do. Salmon sashimi. Uh uh-uh. uh. And we've got the Seattle roll, named for the town itself. Yo. So in the sushi world, and it's all over the country. You can get salmon, or you can get Seattle rolls now. Yep. And a Seattle roll is kind of like a California roll, which makes it pretty accessible for people who aren't just like, give me a big chunk of raw cold fish. Right. But it's got cucumber, avocado, usually some raw salmon. I've seen it with smoked salmon mm-hmm. or, like, cooked salmon, but it should be raw salmon. And some kind of roe, mm-hmm. usually, but that can be thrown out. So, actually, I feel like the Seattle roll I see the most often outside the Northwest is salmon, avocado, cucumber, and cream cheese. Yeah. And I'm not into cream cheese. I don't like cheese in my Asian food, except if it's crab rangoon. All right. that Go for it. I'm I'm on board with what you're saying. Yeah, right? So, but that's the Seattle roll is salmon, and then it's got the cream cheese. I don't know where the cream cheese come from. That's not an Asian thing. I wonder what that is. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know, because it's not like we're known for cream cheese hmm. in Washington State. I don't know where that comes in. So another thing, seafood, the crab louis salad, which we <gasps> talked about when we talked Davenport. about the Davenport. Right? Mm-hmm. Because... As with many things, like Thousand Island dressing, like all kinds of stuff, nobody ever writes down when they make the badass recipe and say, I'm the first one to come up with this recipe. Me, neat. Here's a picture of today's newspaper. (laughs) But the crab louis is Dungeness crab, Mm -hmm. which is a very Northwestern thing. So sweet, so delicious. Named after a town in Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just saying. Hard boiled Mm -hmm. eggs. More protein for you. Tomato. Asparagus. On a bed of iceberg lettuce, which I've come around on iceberg, it can be good in the right side. Okay. I mean, sometimes you just want a big piece of crunchy water. Sometimes that's just where you're at. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. And 
a Louis dressing, which is based on, it's not like Thousand Island, which is like mayo and ketchup, let's be real. Yeah. It's mayonnaise and chili sauce, which Ooh. is very Asian to me, right? Because yeah. they do like their tamako mayonnaise, right. they have their chili sauce, their sriracha. Right. These things, oh my god, I want one Ooh. right now. Yeah, dude, Fuck. me too. Jesus. I'm hungry. Jesus. Okay, sorry. So you said uh, Dungeness Crab, and that brought up something from the depths of my childhood. Back when Red Lobster oh. was a lot more regional, Spokane yes. or the Spokane area also had a seafood place called Sea Galley. And sea Galley? Sea Galley. And they had... Legally Sea Galley? Not legally Sea Galley, because there's illegal seafood over here on this side of the country, which... We, yeah, which always seems like the most a, minimal endorsement right? for a iffy product, Legal. right? Whatevs. It feels like saying hygienic seafood. Right? Right? You know? You're just, okay, noodles. You know? But no. Yeah. But Spokane had <laughs> safety, noodles. safety noodles. Spokane had sea galley, and I you just pinged like a 25 to 30-year-old commercial jingle in my brain. <laughs> we, yeah. Sea galley. And then they'd talk about the crabs that they had, and it was snow, 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 king, 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 and Dungeness too. Do, 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 do. Sea galley. Do, do. Sea galley. That's how their commercials went. Oh my god, that sounds amazing, Sea Galley. There you go. So we should look it up and see if it's still in business, because I bet it hasn't been for 30 years. That shit stays in your head forever. Have I already sung you the, um, oh shit, what was it? I have to play it in my mm -hmm. head. Marine Land. No, what's Marine Land? When I was growing up in Buffalo. Niagara Falls, Ontario. Marine Land is the place to go. <laughs> Seeing friends you know. What is it? Uh, seeing friends you miss, a great big kiss, everybody loves Marine Land. <laughs> and it was like a SeaWorld competitor, so the great big yeah. kiss was like an orca coming oh out god. of the water. Oh my god. A kid kissing its poor, sad, enslaved face. Oh my god, that's tragic. You take your family for a day, watching the whales while they swim and play. My sister is singing along to this right oh now. Oh my god. I swear to god. Anybody who grew up in the upstate New York, Buffalo region is singing along oh to this right god. now. Oh my god. Oh my gosh, you guys. When we are having fun, we are having fun. And that was so much fun that we never recorded an outro to go with it. We just kept talking for literally another hour. So this is Liz popping back in after the fact with a head cold. Sounds delightful, I'm sure. To tell you that I'm going to wrap this episode here for this week. And we'll be back next week with either some Devin stuff. And we'll get you the other half of this maybe then. We'll see how the spirit moves us. In the meantime, you can find us in all the usual spots, WeechAbroads.com, WeechAbroads on Podbean or iTunes if you want to rate, review, or subscribe, and WeechAbroads on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Patreon. Thanks to our new patron, Katie, for coming on board. Welcome, Katie. It's very exciting to have new friends there. In the meantime, I'm sure Devin would join me in saying that we want you to live weird, die weird, and stay weird. Uh, we love you guys. See you next week.